Hello there. At last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have revenge. Hello there. Welcome to a podcast about Star Wars Shatterpoint and the Star Wars universe. My name's Jesse Aiken, and I'm joined by my co-host, Amon Kusro. How are we doing today, Amon? Hello there. We're doing well. We're excited. And honestly, I'm kind of nervous. We've got, or at least I've got, the Warhammer World Championships coming up. It's a pretty big deal. So, representing Team USA, only two people from the U.S. playing in Warhammer Underworld. So, it's going to be huge. It's a very, very big deal. That's awesome, man. Good luck to you. Thanks, man. Two world tournaments back to back. No big deal. I'm trying. <laughs> trying. Hopefully we can get Shatterpoint in that ring. And something we talked about lately on our bonus episodes, a little bit more in detail. Jump into that. But I would love a Shatterpoint event at a world level in the future, Amon. And we're going to try to do what we can to make that happen, I think. I think that would be very cool. The game's growing so much, so it could be possible in the future. But yeah, Amon, today's episode is going to be really fun. You brought up a really fun topic that I think we have definitely touched on on this podcast a lot, but it's never been all together. Yeah, I would say most of our conversations have been off mic in this particular topic. For sure. So today's topic is kind of a nebulous topic, but I mean, it's a good time to talk about this while we have a lull in releases. So we thought we'd holistically look at all the releases in the game thus far and approach it through the lens of if there was something we would change on each character, or maybe something that needs to be dialed in on each character. And just some topics that are come up around that organically. We think it's a really fun place to talk about not only what we'd like to see change in the game, maybe in the future, or just wishlisting here, but also I think it's going to bring up a lot of interesting discussion about power levels and stuff with characters, because we thought this would be a perfect time to do this right after our tier lists. Yeah, I think it's a good timing in regards to the sequence of episodes, but absolutely, I think the tier lists have better helped frame, at least in our minds, where we believe units are overperforming and underperforming, and to go back that list again and say, hey, this unit is underperforming, this is what we would do to change it, to bring it at least in line with other units of its type or cost, I think is a very interesting and compelling conversation to have. Likewise, if something is overperforming or overtuned, being able to say, hey, this is what we would take away, or for lack of a better term, even though this is a bit of a buzzword here, nerf, in order to bring them more in line with that middle of that bell curve that AMG likes to reference so much. And I think it'll be fun on how we go about it. I think we've entertained the idea of maybe if there's only one change we could make, what would that change be? I think that could make some good conversation. And so, yeah, we'll see how this conversation organically develops. But I think we're very excited to talk about things that we would do to improve or I suppose the better phrasing would be bring everything in line for better, for worse. Perfectly said, Amon. But before we get into that topic today and kind of let those organic discussions brew, we have some people to thank. Hello there is affiliated with Mr. Laser at mr.laser.square.site. You can use our code hello there 5 to get 5% off your orders and Christmas is coming up. Absolutely. Hello there is also affiliated with Imperial Terrain. If you're interested in purchasing any Star Wars themed terrain, use the code hello there 5 for 5% off their digital products. Absolutely, Amon. And of course, most important of all, our patrons support hello there at patreon.com slash hello there cast. If you enjoy our show, would like to support us and also join our private Discord community and get access to a lot of our behind the scenes content and community events check out our patreon tiers we're also adding more episodes of our bonus feed to support those patrons that choose to support at that bonus feed tier and higher to give them more content and we have some patrons to thank today Amon. we do indeed jesse we have two new patrons matthew at the jedi knight and sith warrior tier as well as lucas also at the jedi knight and sith warrior tier Thank you so much for your support. Thank you guys so much. It means a lot. You've joined the community. And of course, we cannot do the show without our producers. So thank you to our producers, Rusty Jedi Survivor, Jello Jedi Pirate, and Bounty Hunter Brady. And of course, our ultimate producers that wield all the power in the universe, Sith Emperor Kevin, Grandmaster Griffin, and Daimyo Matt. You guys keep in the galaxy in balance. And it really means a lot to us. Thank you guys. 100%. All right, Amon, let's just jump right into this topic today, and I'm going to let you explain where this concept came from and how we can kind of approach the different units today. Yeah, for sure. So I think Jesse and I have always lamented about certain units being or feeling like they 
have been under the curve. In the same vein, we have been very excited and then eventually concerned that some units are overperforming. What we would love in a perfect world, right, is every unit to kind of be in the same power level, but we also recognize that that's not necessarily exciting. There should be units that are better than others. There should be units that are more niche than others. There should be units that, while it may not necessarily be the best pick in a certain meta, it can allow players to flourish and innovate by selecting other units. So we recognize that there is unit strength and utility disparity, and that is intended. That is proper game design. I think we are very grateful that AMG has continued that trend. However, we're all human, and it's very easy to to criticize after something's been created. We genuinely do not want to say that you know something was negative or whatever. It's just during the design process, things happen. And then when they release into a wild, you you really don't know how things are going to like pan out, what characters people will gravitate to. They wanted Shatterpoint, they said this on record, to be a game that's all about positioning and movement and placement, really, and movement. And then they've seen now, and we've all seen that people are just playing attrition stuff, right? So whether that's just the average gamer who just likes playing stuff that just slaps you in the face, or whether it's just because one of those characters that enables that playstyle is also one of the most popular characters in all of history, right? It's crazy to think about. And so all that's to say, what we're doing is we're taking a look at all the units in Shatterpoint that we think are either overperforming and underperforming, and we've created this fun little exercise. We're both going to decide on whether or not a unit needs to be affected in any way. And again, this is purely subjective. This is our opinion. We could be completely wrong. You guys could completely disagree with us, but it makes for good content. And then what we're going to do is once we've decided on whether or not there needs to be a change, then we will share our thoughts with one another on what that change could be. So the rule that we're going to implement, very similar to how AMG does erratas for other games like Marvel Crisis Protocol, is they try to make minimal changes. And oftentimes, it's a very small change. It's one change. So for this episode, we're going to have one change. And it could be something as so simple as changing the stamina number. Or it could be something a little bit more complicated, which is tweaking an identity. Not changing it, but keeping the core identity of the identity, for lack of a better term, but making it to where it's a little bit more fair, which is a subjective word, again, but maybe balanced is is better here. Yeah, Mon, I think well said. And the one change is going to be the hardest challenge here. So this is also a challenge on ourselves and also, you know, full transparency for you, the listener, Amon and I have not made notes for this episode or we've not like looked at this list we're kind of approaching this through the same lens we approached our tier list where we're gonna see where we agree and disagree which i think is very exciting and starting with the top of the alphabet Amon, we're gonna go through the units and i'm gonna clump two units together you know we're probably gonna do this with supports off and on we'll give a little bit more time to the primaries and secondaries but the 212th clones and the 501st clones and i think they suffer from similar problems they're similar units and some would say in the community Amon and i for sure that they are two of the lowest units on the power scale in the game thus far. That's true. And power scale, again, is subjective because we've seen players mm-hmm. win games and events while utilizing these units. But it's not because of these units. These units often feel like attacks to the player or they're trying to remain in theme or leverage the Republic tag. But in general, what we've seen is the 212th and the 501st are always picked last. When you compare them to the ARF Troopers and the Republic Clone Commandos, there is no competition. I mean, arguably, sure, in some situations, but oftentimes it's like, well, I guess I have to take one of these to fill out my premier list, right? So in this situation, I don't know if I would necessarily clump them together, but they are interesting to talk about in tandem. But which one do you want to start with specifically for your one change? Let's start with 212th, top of the alphabet. What would you change, Jesse? You play them more than I. Yeah, so I think the 212 suffer in unique ways. I think they have the lowest defense of any character in the game, which is notable and I think worth mentioning and maybe a lens we can focus our change, maybe. But also, their expertise is not good enough to get them through their tree. I do like that they have auto damage on their expertise, and I've explained on the show why I think it's actually legitimately good that they consistently get auto damage through, because that's unusual for clones to get damage through, period. So it's nice to get expertise, like, oh, it's a damage, but... I think the two ways they struggle is they have low health pull and they have the lowest defense in the game and then they can't get through their tree. So those are things I would look at. So that could be stamina, that could be defenses, or that could be efficacy to get through the tree. So what change are you making? 
I think you can go either way. If you really want to be this glass cannon models, they need to be more threatening, right? So you make their ability to get through their tree much easier. So you give them more attack dice or more expertise, or you just make them blanket healthier. So I think the safe bringing it in line pick Amon would be to probably give them more stamina or defenses. And I'm not really married to either one. Okay. I would agree with you in that this is the unit that's designed to be more of that long range dug in, firing away at the opponent. They are clearly designed to be damage dealers. While they only have four spots on the tree, being able to deal six damage is pretty cool. You're right in that they struggle getting across that tree. And oftentimes it feels like you can't really leverage the offensive expertise. So the one change that I would make is I would actually give them a brand new ability. I would make it innate. And I would say, if this unit has a hunker token or is at a higher elevation than its target, this unit immediately makes a focus action. Love it. And then I would give it maybe sharpshooter one so that they're rolling seven to eight dice often to solve that challenge. I love that. Yeah, I love that too because they still retain that insanely low health pool of stamina and that insanely bad defenses, but you're putting at a crossroads as a player because you're just going to keep letting them shoot at you or you're going to dive into them, right? Are you going to remove them quickly or are you going to let them shoot at you from range? Yeah, so I, I think that's a great change, Mon. So I was leaning on the more safe side. You're leaning on the more interesting side, and I like that. You're just leaning into what they want to do and actually making them a choice in your list where you're thinking... I want the hardest hitting clones, which they are, to be fair, in the game. They are the hardest hitting clones damage-wise. Because, as you mentioned, they could do six or seven if they get that one expertise, right? Which is great for a clone. Unusual for them to do that much damage. But they never get through their tree. So with this focus sharpshooter thing you've brought forward, I think they could get through their tree. And they could be a lot more exciting unit and remain to be the glass cannons that they are, where they just melt if you get them in melee immediately. Yeah, and you know, I think it's interesting because Cody also has this sharpshooter style play. Mm -hmm. And so it's very thematic. You know, if the commander is an individual who's known to hunker down and take, you know, great shots, then why can't the men that follow him have that same tendency and design? And I just think it makes them more compelling. I mean, at the end of the day, supports in Shatterpoint are there to hold points and get killed by primaries or wounded by primaries. That's kind of how the game flows often. But... I think it would make it more interesting, especially because we're moving into an era where the Galactic Civil War, where there are less Jedi and there are more ranged adversaries. So maybe them entering that kind of meta that we can only assume we have no information outside of what they've shared could also be more interesting as well. Absolutely. Because I mean, at the end of the day, Amon, they do cost four, right? And I think they should represent that in their own unique way, and they certainly don't right now. So I would like to see that change. But let's let's move on, keep this going. 501st Clone Troopers, they cost three. So we're already through a different lens here. They struggle. They only do five damage if they get through their whole tree, and their tree is longer. Now, I don't want to keep focusing on damage because I actually think the 501st have a lot of cool, interesting conditions on their tree, which makes them unique. And ironically, they roll more dice <laughs> than the 212 on attack. So I'm on... Now that I started with the 212th, what would you change with the 501st to make them, you know, a viable three for the Republic? So my first thought initially was to just make defensive maneuver free. It does not cost a force. And I think that would go a long way to improving their survivability. Unfortunately, I really tried to put my designer hat on when really thinking about this. And it's it wouldn't make sense, right? That seems to me like that should be a reward for a higher point cost unit. And so in that regard, in order to keep theme and keep abilities the same, in order for players to better understand and access these abilities throughout their games. Ultimately, I decided against that. It's very interesting because 7 and 2, 7 and 2, defensive maneuver, coordinated fire with the ARFs, obviously the expose is just insane, but strain is actually a great control piece. And so, really, all I would do is I would improve their offensive expertise and I would just make it the same as the ARF troopers 1 to 2, a strike three crit strike, four plus two crits. And that way you have more opportunities to get through your tree and be able to stack those conditions. Because right now I feel like they were designed to be a control piece exactly as you mentioned, Jesse, but in practice they don't get there. And then that would be make it more interesting choice between both the 501st and the ARFs as well. Unfortunately, Expose is just so good right now. And so there probably isn't a choice, but then it doesn't feel bad 
maybe if you want to take Mace in your premier list as well, or if there are other six or seven point Republic primaries yet to release, you know? Yeah, I like that a lot. I think I also would maybe improve their melee expertise slightly too, because for some reason, theirs is worse than the other clones, notably the Arfs who you're comparing them to, which I think is a good comparison. Give them like a two expertise something, right? I think that would be fine as well. I mean, these are the guys that have fought in more battles than any other battalion in the Clone Wars, right? That's pretty interesting. And they are, they're led by General Anakin Skywalker, Ahsoka Tano, and Rex, who are kind of melee-centric people. I'm not saying make them good in melee. I'm just saying, just bring those numbers up a hair, as Amon was saying, with the ranged expertise. And I think that's an easy change for them. And you always want to be careful with the three-point costers. I think combining our suggestions and just the one change being make their offensive expertise the same as the arfs would be fine that way range and melee both get buffed the tad and it just makes it makes them more interesting because people like to complain about the 501st but if they're able to get through their tree more then you can start seeing their utility in action i like that a lot and like i said i like not being punished for someone really wanting to enjoy and play mace anakin mm-hmm. well moving on Amon, we're going to talk about Ahsoka Tano, Jedi No More. This is going to be a really interesting one. Does she need change? Great question. I think a slight nudge would not be bad for her. I'll say that. Okay. What are we nudging? Right. So Ahsoka's play style is this mobility, this response. She doesn't deal a ton of damage, but it's by design. I love it. And she's got all these things that she can do with her identity and her defensive expertise on your turn as the opponent. I think all that needs to stay. What if Amon... She was even faster. That's kind of scary because I'm already seeing how fast she is on Sabotage Showdown. She is fast. Though she's very powerful on Sabotage Showdown to get between the points, I also think we got to kind of watch her on that new objective spread because her ideal is not fighting a bunch of people at once, right? Her ideal is kind of these one-on-one fights and these skirmishes on the side of the map and then coming back in the mid and stuff. So I totally see what you're saying there, but I'm just posing a question. I'm not saying she needs to be faster. I'm just wondering if if she got a nudge, if it was a nudge in the direction of more of her speed and response and just keeping all her damage and everything exactly the same. Yeah. I think if I was to take a look at Ahsoka, and again, we're tinted through the lens of the current meta and our experiences in the current meta, Ahsoka feels like she's supposed to be this character that is punishing your opponent for playing high melee damage characters. But I think a great weakness of Ahsoka's is that oftentimes she has to be stuck in form five because she gets more defense on range and melee, seven and six versus five and five. You just live in form five. Yeah, you just do. Yeah, you you never really go to Jarkai. So I think maybe making Jarkai just slightly more interesting, it doesn't have to be a big change. It could be as so simple as improving her, her range defense to six, right? It could be that, or it could just be I mean, honestly, that's all I would do. I think Ahsoka is fine for a corset character. She does what you want a newer player to do, which is to have two different sides that have clear-cut uses, and it will help a player understand when to switch and when not. You will get punished if you switch at the wrong moment or if you're caught in the wrong stance. But I do think maybe she could have used a bump of defense because she is the defensive primary. I like that. I mean, you could also approach Sharkai through a different lens where it's like actually make the melee expertise different from reverse grip, right? It's exactly the same. Make it slightly better or something, right? Where it's like, okay, she's gone on the offense. She's really in their face and she's digging in and trying to deal that damage. But I agree, Amon. The fact that she's a defensive character and that she gets so many benefits out of her defensive expertise that I talk about on the show all the time, these, these jumps and things, you want that higher defense, right? You want to be able to trigger all these cool things she can do on her turn. And so why would you ever go to Jarkai, especially because it's the same offensive expertise as well? I think the intention with Jarkai, it's similar to Asajj, where it's like the intention with Jarkai was she's ready to kill stuff. But at the end of the day, Ahsoka still doesn't deal a crazy amount of damage because she's still got to get through the tree. She's got to get through it. And if she doesn't get through it, wouldn't you rather just have those guarantees of those shoves on the reverse grip? I would. I completely agree. All Amon wants to do is buff up her defense by one. Yeah, whatever. And that may not be the right answer. The change would be to just make it to where it's more compelling to switch. And in my opinion, it would be adding a defense. I like that. That also leaves her still susceptible with the nine stamina, right? But at least now she's living on her defenses more, which she already does. So 
Okay. Slight nudge for Ahsoka. Good stuff. Going back to that nine stamina, although that may seem like it's the, it's a quick fix, just bump her to 10 and you're feeling so much better, which you probably would be. I also do want to keep it in theme and she is like 16 years old at this point in time, right? I agree. Let's move on to an interesting one, Amon. ARF, ARF Clone Troopers. Man, this one's so interesting because I think without the Exposed, they're probably still a great clone unit, but they're just fine. What tips them over the edge is Exposed. And so I'm just trying to wonder, should Exposed change? It could. And that's maybe a whole other conversation. However, what I think would be interesting actually is people don't like it when their strong stuff gets nerfed too much, but they like it within reason, right? So ARF troopers are more recon and scout. They're not necessarily snipers. So what if we just change coordinated fire to range four instead of range five? My pushback on that is now we're kind of interrupting the whole design space of coordinated fire in the game. Again, same concept with defensive maneuver. That's fair. I think a better change for them, Amon, would be since they are the scout troopers, since they are the recon guys, they shouldn't be shooting more dice than the 212 and the 501st. I think they should be rolling maybe six dice on offense. Yeah, that's fair, actually. I wouldn't even be mad if they were five and five. No, but I think six is within reason. And, you know, Republic needs something right now, and ARF is the thing that's giving them something. So we don't want to take away too much from that. But the fact that they have lay low, they have exposed, they have more things than the other Republic clones have just on their card before you even get to the tree. And then you get to the tree and you're like, oh, better expertise than the 501st. They roll seven dice at range. They've just, they've got good consistency. Why don't you just reduce their attack dice a little bit? Yeah, I think that's probably fine. You can drop that to a six or a five. And they're probably still arguably the best clone support unit in the game. And that's okay. Someone needs to be the best. Agreed. Someone does. Let's move on past the ARFs. I think that was pretty straightforward and talking to a more nuanced character, Asajj Ventress, Sith Assassin. What are we doing with this, Amon? Are we, are, which direction are we going with her? The interesting thing with Asajj is that while she has been outpaced by other primaries in the game, interestingly also within her own Separatist Alliance affiliation or tag, I don't know if any change is required to Asajj. I think she's a great character to understand the fundamentals of Shatterpoint, hence her inclusion in the core box. She teaches a player force economy. She is a force-hungry character. Though, again, I understand that the nature of this exercise is to, in fact, make a change, even if perhaps we don't necessarily think a character may need a change. And in this instance, maybe you make her first jump free. There we go. That's what I was kind of leaning on suggesting with Ahsoka, but it makes even more sense with Asajj. So her first jump is free, but her second costs one. Mm -hmm. What if it was even more nuanced than that, Amon, where it was like the first jump is free and the second one's two or something? I don't think you would ever use it then. People are now, though. They're spending People are now jumps. before she gets wounded. And she does get wounded because she's... Good point. The wound would part pretty bad. Because then you're going... I mean, I guess the, the, the boon there would be you still get that free jump no matter what. And then if you want a second jump, now it's going to cost three force if you're wounded, right, in theory. But I would just simply reword Dathomir and Dexterity to say each character in this unit may jump. This unit may use this ability two times during its activation instead of the normal one. The first time this unit uses this ability and does not have a wounded or injured token, it costs one less force. So that way, when she's wounded, it still piles up. But maybe at the beginning of the game, when you're trying to conserve your force and make those big plays early on, it's free. The first one. That's very interesting. I'm wary because of the free ability on both sides of her tree, right? Because then it's like, oh man, free jump and then... But yeah, I don't think it would hurt her. For sure. And man, look at her Jarkai. Eight and six on melee. Poor Ahsoka. Saja's Jarkai is just so much better. I mean, she was trained by Dooku. She definitely was. All right, so Amon, I'll I'll concede giving her a free jump. I think it's very interesting. I think she would certainly start popping up all over the place if that was the case. Which is good, right? And and you know, use the phrase concede here. I, I don't necessarily think that's that kind of this kind of conversation, right? It's just my opinion on what change we would make. If you have a change that you think is different, you should share it because that could be interesting conversation. Now, going through the lens of what you just said, this is an exercise and we already stated we wouldn't change Asajj because she's just solid and great all around her. I think through this lens, she definitely would receive a nudge and not a nerf, right? And that nudge would be a jump. And I think that's that's completely fine. Fair. But we got to move on to a very interesting character that could 
spark a lot of discussion. Aura Singh, keep in mind, once again, Aura Singh, she costs five. So she's in that camp with Kalani, right? And that's the lens of what we're going to look her, look at her through. I think Aura's card is very interesting and probably should stay the same. I'm on her front of her card. I think her trees is where we need to maybe have some discussions. What do you think? I agree with you. I think the easy solution theoretically would be just make her a four point. But unfortunately, that cannot be the case because the way that these units and teams are packaged is they have to fit the cost of the primary, if only because it's just easier on the consumer. So if we're going to look at her stance card and we're going to keep her the exact same, there's two options that I have. A, bump her up to either nine stamina, because I do feel like she dies quite often. The more interesting could probably be her defensive expertise. Maybe make one defensive expertise a block and turning a crit to a fail. Two defensive expertise, two blocks turning a crit to a fail. And then three expertise could be two blocks, a crit to a fail, and a climb. So it scales a little bit, but it just makes her a little bit more survivable and more interesting. Because I think Aura has found a place in many players' lists, especially in Premiere format, where you have to make harder choices. But she just sometimes feels like she's shooting water guns. And then that feels bad is exacerbated when she just gets murked. Okay, so your change is all defensive. Yeah. See, we're kind of inverse where we were with 212. I think my change would be all offensive for her. Case in point, if you look at our other sniper in the game, Gar, who costs four, on one offensive expertise with his sniper rifle, he gets one crit. On two expertise, he gets a crit and a shove. Then we look at Kalani. One expertise is a crit. Two expertise is a crit and two hits. And so then we look at Aura. I love that she's got auto damage. I absolutely love that. But I think she needs more hits and or crits baked into her expertise with the sniper rifle, right? To really make it work. And I think maybe it was a decision maybe they made because she gets the additional attack, right? And they want to rein that in. But if she's supposed to be this menace from range, like she is in the lore, let's just lean into that. My want would be to make her offensive expertise just better and maybe give her one more dice on range. Just bump her up to eight. Nothing crazy is happening there, giving her eight dice, right? You know, I'm not mad at that. I like that a lot. And when you look at her and Django, right, which are two bounty hunters that excel at range, who are competing, in fact, for that CAD secondary unit position, despite the fact that Django is four, and we'll talk more about Django in a bit, I'm sure, is that, yeah, I completely agree with you. If it's not the defensive expertise, and in fact, maybe it's more compelling to make her that offensive sniper that she's touted in the in the lore. So one, expertise at range, make it a crit, two, two crits, and then four plus could be two crits and a damage. You can keep that damage. Yeah, theme I going. think leave the damages on there. Yeah, that keep the damage. Just throwing crits. Yeah, she throws crits. I mean, if Kalani can throw crits and Kalani can throw eight dice with his battle droid buff on himself because he's allied with himself, why can't she just throw eight dice innately, right? Yeah, if he gets a crit pistol, she should get that crit sniper. She should. And I also like, like I said, with Gar. Sometimes with Gar, you don't get through your tree like you wanted to, but you got two expertise, so you got a shove out of it and a crit, right? Like, you're very happy with that with Gar. You're like, okay, I'm getting through my tree a little bit, and I'm getting guaranteed shove. So maybe give her a shove somewhere too, right, on her expertise and keep this sniper theme going. I'm not against it, you know? And also, I'm on, how does she not have sharpshooter? Yeah. You fix that with the crits and the offensive expertise, though. You do. Definitely. What's crazy through this conversation, Amon, is that like we're basically saying that Aura doesn't need many changes, and she would be in that five spot because you gotta always keep an eye out on this hit and run, payday, and double attack thing. You know, she's she, you gotta keep an eye on all those things with her because they could get really good after a while. And I think maybe a lot of this is through the lens of expendable distraction, but you and I just don't think it's very good. I definitely think payday and expendable distraction were perhaps abilities that may have been overestimated. So, again, when you want you want a bounty hunter, what does the bounty hunters do in Star Wars? They go and hunt people down and kill people and, you know, encase them in carbonite and take them other places. So you want her to feel like that, and I just think, yes, from a damage-dealing perspective, sometimes she just doesn't feel like that, which is crazy, right? Because her tree looks good. There can be a lot of damage done there, but it just... For some reason, this doesn't feel like it happens. So throwing some crits in there definitely nudges that along. Yeah, and I think throwing the crits obviously makes expendable distraction even better, right? Because if your expertise mm. are better, you're willing to damage your allies and throw a lot more dice and 
and just guaranteed to get to those crits. So yeah, I think that's a good change for Aura here. And we got to move on in the alphabet to the B1 battle droids. I'm going to come out the gate, I'm on, and say I don't think the B1s need a change at all. If you didn't say it, I was. I think they're perfect. All right, with no changes to the B1s, let's got to move on to the B2s. Yeah, the B2s are interesting because on paper, I think they're fine. But on practice, they've been a bit of a challenge. And again, I think it comes down to their offensive expertise. Dealing damage is cool, but sometimes you just really want a crit to get somewhere. those shoves or get those repositions or get those status conditions right. And they're just, when they when they roll low, it feels bad. Okay. I'm willing to give them one expertise of a crit somewhere. What if, what if it's three expertise? Yeah. Or you could just do like a strike and a damage and then two plus could be a strike and two damage and three plus could be okay. a crit and two damage. You know, like it still keeps it in theme, but it's just, let's just bump it up a little bit. You, But if you think the crit is needs there early. I think B2s are pretty great. I think throwing That's them a strike is not a bad idea. So you just want to give them a strike on range. Okay. Easy change. This one's going to be a little more interesting. Barris Sophie, Jedi Padawan. I know that I have been critical of Barris lately, but it's purely from a competitive min-max standpoint. I think as a character, Barris probably requires no change. There is a part of me that would just want to bump her range defense to five. But because she's so mobile and she's almost always in combat, I don't know if it matters. So there's a part of me that maybe thinks no change required. I think one extra defense is a good change because I do think she does melt in melee and from range sometimes, right? And you don't get to do all the cool things on her kit. And more importantly, force feed and force push get very expensive very quickly, right? So I can totally agree with that. I'm on just one more defensive dice. Yeah, the alternative could be you slightly improve the defensive expertise i do like that well which way are we gonna go defensive expertise or range uh just an eight buffed up i think it would be more interesting to mess with the defensive expertise over the straight five range but i think it's easier to digest four to five what if her defensive expertise was just all reduced by one number what if like the duelist training was one is one block two is block and reposition and three is two blocks and reposition. Yeah, that could work too, because that makes her a super mobile character that is still susceptible to being taken down fairly quickly. And I think that's the thing they wanted, so. I dig it. I, I love that. All right, let's move on to Bo-Katan Kreese. No change. Move on. She's great. She's great, Bo. Even with the 4-4 four, four on defense, she feels great. I think no Except change is perfect, especially if we get more Mandalorians in the future, right? Yeah. Which we know we are. Din Djarin. Come on. So... I'm hoping I can play her with him. Bounty Hunters. I think they're fine. I think no change is, is good for them because they are so versatile because they're multi-era and the payday, right? That's the intention of them. I think they're just supposed to be kind of like jack of all trades, master of nuns in the game, right? And I think that's a good yeah. place for them to be. I agree. I'm fine with them and how they are. I, I don't think a change is required. All right, let's move on to Cad Bane, the Notorious Hunter. This this part of the episode, I think, is going to be a little quick because I would agree that in this situation, keeping in theme with the bounty hunter, Cad requires no change. He feels great. He brings a lot of utility, a lot of interest. He's different. He's versatile. I wouldn't change him. I would make one change to Cad, and it's going to be something that you probably don't expect, but I think you might agree with it. And this is more for the life of the game and the lore of Star Wars. I'd make him multi-era. I like that. I definitely think there is a difference between Old Man Cad and Cad Bane and the youth of the Clone Wars, but there's not much of a difference between the two characters, in fact. That's also Cad's arc, which we talk about in the episode. He doesn't change. He doesn't evolve. He doesn't redeem himself. He's just... Cad's if Han Solo never got out of his loop, right? On the dark side. I like that change a lot, actually, making him multi-era. I would adore that. And that's something that AMG could do overnight, right? They could. So my request is I'm thinking in the future because I'm a big Bounty Hunters guy and I'm thinking if they release more Bounty Hunters in this game that are in other eras, I want Cad to be able to play with them. That's fair. Because he has done such in the lore. So moving on, Clone Commander Cody. This one's tough, I'm on, because I think he needs a change. Let's just get that out of the way. And I think the change I would give Cody, and let me see what you think about this, is what if he had Hadmaze? sharpshooter ability where 
he gets to dash, and then after he dashes, he gets a focus, turning his sharpshooter online. Mm. Problem is that directly conflicts with defensive maneuver, which he doesn't have to have it. It could be called like the Cody special or whatever. That is interesting. He could have both. Well, if he has a dash that gives him a focus, you would never really take it over a dash that gives him a hunker when he's clearly an offensively designed character. Right? You're saying that you would always choose the focus one? Yeah, I think so. And also, like, why print two abilities that almost do the exact same thing, albeit one is more offensive and defensive? And then keep giving him a defensive mover and keeping it there keeps him in theme, right, with all the other clones. It's a clone ability. He's not that special to where he would get a whole other ability from a design perspective. Yeah, I just feel like Cody can never focus and shoot. I feel like he's always moving and shooting, right? So I'm trying to get around that. What if it was, sounds crazy, but what if it was when this character makes a focus action, they can then perform a range attack? Mm, so replace good night clanker with that? No. <laughs> I'm giving him another ability. I'm trying to turn good night clanker on with action economy, which he doesn't have. So Padme has action economy because she can dash, she gets a focus, which turns her sharpshooter on, which then she can take an action to sh- shoot. Okay, so I see what you're saying. So what you should do is just give him another innate ability that says, when this unit gains a hunker token, this unit makes a focus action. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it combines what yeah, you it's want all kind of into, nested. right? So you get the defensive maneuver because he did that and he's Cody. He also focuses and that turns on sharpshooter. I like it. And now we're kind of more in that realm of Gar, right? Where it's like, Gar ended up by a Mandalorian. He got a focus. When Gar gets a focus, he gets a hunker. Cody's is kind of inverse of that, right? I like all that. And honestly, Cody should add from the beginning because Cody's the long-range specialist. Cody's the guy we talked about in our lore. He likes his clones to be all hunkered down and set a position and literally beat the enemy down through attrition. Not aggression, attrition, right? Just the long game of shelling and shooting. And I want him to be able to shoot, Oman. That's what I want him to do. And I want him to be able to feel impactful in that way. I agree. Cody's a very cool character, and he gets a lot of screen time in the Clone Wars. And if you're a fan of the Clone Wars, you want to be able to use him. But unfortunately, he does get outclassed by other characters. So basically, our summation is, through all the discussions we had, if he can get focus without taking an action, he's a different character. Probably, yeah. He at least feels like he's impacting the battlefield more. Yep, absolutely. All right, well, let's move on to Captain Rex. No change. No change. No change. Clan Kree's Mandalorians. No change. No change. Count Dooku's Separatist leader. No change. No change whatsoever. And just to elaborate on these guys real quick, they totally fit the bell curve. They totally do their job. And I don't think a nudge or a nerf for any of these characters would help the game, right? No. And it's thematic, too. Like Dooku's supposed to be good. But he's not broken. Like, you don't see Dooku. You don't see people complaining about Still Dooku slow. online. 100%. Well, let's talk about someone that we probably might change him on. Commander Pons. Yeah, he's interesting. I think my only change to Commander Pons, honestly, is to make him 8 stamina. Call it a day. I like that. I also would like his incoming to feel more impactful from a support standpoint. Because you already got to have clones with hunkers. So already in that boat of like, do they have hunker? Are they engaged in melee? Just make the bubble bigger. This is an interesting thought. What if you just took away the hunker stipulation? Yeah. That would be really good. So he's always immune to expose, which makes sense because he's a clone commando that tends to scout ahead and he's aware of how to hide himself. And then he just yells incoming yep. a lot and his boys are like, oh, I see it. <laughs> I like that. So that's what I would do for him personally. But I'm also down with the stamina change. But I think in the interest of being interesting episode, I think blanket Amon and I would probably increase most of the clone staminas by one. That's Rex. fair. If I'm glad you said that. That's very fair. So if that's not an option, or if that's already going to happen, then take away the hunker stipulation from incoming. And you've got a very interesting character that still fits in theme, isn't going to be someone that does a lot of damage, and sometimes will feel like it's an okay activation. But it's just a little bit more utility to keep those clones alive. 
Absolutely. So I think that's a nice nudge for Pons, which he definitely needs. All right, Amon, let's move on to Darth Vader Jedi Hunter. Exciting. This one's tough, man, because there's a lot that would change here, but it's the rule of one. Can we just get it out of the way that I think he should keep this amazing, insane tree? Yeah, I wouldn't touch anything on his stance cards. It would solely be on his Vader card, right? Yeah, he's supposed to be a boss. So Amon and I are on the same page there, even though his tree is kind of oppressive at times. Let's talk about what we could change on his unit card. That Yes. And so in the past, I have stated that your hatred makes you powerful could be changed to where it only functions with Galactic Republic and Galactic Empire. That is probably yep. the easiest change. But because we've talked about that one already, let's talk about something else. Let's make it different. Yep. To me... Vader's Fury is extremely powerful, and I would change it in two different ways. I would either take out the two damage from the pool, because that two damage is insane and often what you need to take a character out. Agreed. So that's option one. Option two would be make it a dash, because it's Vader. He's not supposed to be zooming across the board. I love it. I think we've been on the dash camp for a while, and I still think a dash is insane with this damage added on top. I also would not be upset Amon to say that like Vader hurts himself from this too. Like he does his identity where it's like he takes a damage or two to do this ability, right? After it's fully resolved or something. I'd not be against that either. That's interesting. It's thematic. He's pushing it, man. This is not easy for him to do. Move that quickly. That's true. You could also adjust your hatred makes you powerful to where you take two damage and you get two dice versus three. I think that just needs to happen. Even if like the Galactic Republic and Galactic Empire change happens among, I think that should happen alongside those changes. Well, we got a lot to say about this, Vader, but I guess we got to pick one. So if you had to pick one change, Jesse, what would you pick? Like if AMG came up to you and was like, Jesse, whatever you say we'll do, what would that change be? Vader's Fury should just be a dash thematically. Let's just face it. Vader should not be as mobile as Ahsoka Tano and Lord Maul. I'm in the same camp. I don't think he should have a double advance. I think it should be a dash. Yeah, and the dash like is still really good. Amazing. Do you think the damage should just be reduced down to one or something as well? So I like the way you're going with this, and this is actually like a little loophole. So the one change that we would make is we would change Vader's Fury to state each character in this unit may dash during the next attack made a character made by a character in this unit during this activation. After all dice rolls have been modified, add a single damage to the damage pool. Good change. That's a great change. And it brings Vader in line with most other characters in that you're paying a force to dash. And there is some additional benefit. I like it. And we didn't make an episode all about identity. So we're winning here. (laughs) Yes. Let's move on to another strong character in the game. Fifth brother. This one's going to be interesting, Amon. This one is interesting because I do feel like we've seen a shift away from Fifth Brother in competitive premiere circles because two characters is just better than one. You've made a good comparison in the past that Fifth Brother just feels like another secondary unit in the supporting role spot, and I think it's an apt comparison. If there was a change to be made, it would certainly be on his front side and not his back side, or rather his stance cards. I wonder if You just take away protection. Yeah, I thought of that because let's be fair here. Savage Press rolls less defensive dice all around than Brother. And he's a secondary and he has the protection and steadfast, right? I know that Fifth Brother actually has to be on an active point. So that is the loophole making it more balanced. But I'm done with that, Amon. Because I think Fifth Brother has really respectable defense. I mean, six defense on melee. That's better than, uh, you know, some primaries. Yeah, and it's really interesting to me because Fifth Brother in the lore is more of a force user. While he is imposing and big, he's known for his force ability rather than his martial ability. His lack of martial ability is hidden by the fact that his stature is large. Well said, yeah. So you would just want to remove the protection altogether. Yeah, just remove protection. You can keep him steadfast. He's fine. All right. Fourth sister. This is where it gets interesting. It is. So she's got a lot on her card. And it doesn't look like you can add another ability because the easy solution is just give her protection. 
but you can't because there's no space and spacing is important in card design, right? Right. So with her, I wonder if you just either replace Swift Retreat with she gets protection and you change the name of that ability completely or you just bump her up to nine stamina. I'm not against either of these changes. The ideas I had were completely different. So I'm going to throw them at you right now. The idea, number one I have for her is give her the same ability that Padawan Ahsoka and Asajj Ventress have. She can pay for a second force jump. Mm, that's cool. Or and or, I know it's one change today, but this is um, some wish listing here. Give her the Grand Inquisitor's range four five dice saber throw. I like that better. I think these Inquisitors should have saber throws, but we're going to nerf fifth brother. That's what we did. Fourth sister, keep her the same, give her the saber throw. I dig it. All right. That makes her so much more interesting. Yeah, and she has the six range on defense, right? So it's already kind of this interesting place where she could be, she could turret a little bit and maybe handle some range shots from some other range people, right? I like that a lot. Yeah, I think she's fine if she gets something like that. Yeah, I think that's a really good suggestion. All right, Amon, let's move on to Gar Saxon. This is going to be wild, but I actually don't think he needs a change. I'm going to say no change too. The reason why I don't think he needs a change is because Gar, again, is a corset character, and I think those characters should be easier to process and, and simple. And, you know, if they're not planning on creating a new core box, then it's very challenging from a logistics perspective. In addition to that, he still competes in that secondary slot in a lot of lists. I've seen him taken with no Supermandos or Clan Crease, and he's just out there holding the point, blasting and pinning people in their deployment zone. Like, it's cool. It's good stuff. All right. Car's great. Let's move on to General Anakin Skywalker. Anakin's interesting because I'm going to end this is such an interesting ability. And it's very Anakin. The errata, or rather the rules clarification that states that personal effects happen before I'm going to end this, really hurts Anakin tremendously. So the change that you could make is, after this unit makes a combat action, it may use this ability, one character in this unit may dash towards that same enemy character within range and line of sight and then attack. Yeah, I like that a lot. We're kind of on the same wavelength here, Mon, because I was considering like maybe he is the chosen one, right? And it's weird that he has the same force jump as the other Jedi. It's weird that he has the same deflect as the other Jedi. It's weird that he doesn't have repost, which Anakin's kind of known for, right? Like Anakin's really good in one-on-one combat and he can push people's aggression back on them, right? So those are all things that seem remiss that they're not better maybe but i like your change of i'm going to end this of just being able to chase the target i was also considering that maybe instead of force jump it's a different version of force jump which is a dash and then a jump or you could pick between the two i guess it doesn't matter because a jump is no you know i wouldn't a dash and then a jump is wild because that's just better than an advance in theory yeah yeah but i think it's very anakin yeah i could see you changing deflect to making it more like after any attack targeting character in this unit is resolved and you just change the name to some sort of witty comment about how great of a fighter he is. Hero of the Republic, you could call it. Okay, so we're going a lot of interesting directions here. I love, first of all, Amon, where you and I have kind of ended up on this deflect repost pairing because, once again, he leans on the light side and the dark side and clearly AMG's chosen that the Jedi have deflect and the Sith have repost. So why not Anakin have both? Yeah, it's great. Hero of the Republic, baby. Or you could just call it Chosen One. I know you're listening, AMG. <laughs> Help your boy out here. So I think that could blanket happen and he his win rate probably wouldn't change. Amon, that's just a quality of life change. I think with these changes we're proposing with a better force jump or a better I'm going to end this to catch his target, which is what will really help him do his thing. Yeah, I think we might have to break our role with one change for the Anakin. Yeah. And just make it two changes here, which I know we mentioned earlier, he's a corset character and it probably shouldn't change him. But, you know, I think if they ever were to do like an errata like they have done for MCP, where they put everything online for free, you know, I do believe consumers are sophisticated enough to be able to arm themselves with those additional pieces of information. So, yeah, change the deflect and then give him a dash at the end of I'm going to end this and a may dash. He doesn't have to. Yeah, it's a may. Right? It's just so that when people try to run away, he's like, nah, fam. Here's Annie. 
And I had this idea one night, I'm on when I was going to bed, ironically, and I was thinking, what if I'm going to end this with similar to Vader's Fury, where it's like, it gives you like a damage or something baked in. Yeah. So I've actually had this exact conversation. I'm not sure who I had it with, but the alternative to I'm going to end this is take two damage because that's what Anakin would do. Yeah. Right. Is Anakin would put himself in harm's way. In fact, I think we had this conversation. Yeah. If I correctly. Where Anakin's the type of dude who puts himself in harm's way because he just knows somehow it's always going to work out. And sometimes he puts himself in tough situations. Granted, he never takes damage in the shows. He just somehow always things work out. He's the chosen one. Spidey sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that could be cool too. That could be interesting design and maybe a great way to tie in Anakin and Vader. I agree. I completely agree. So you think we could make it just baked in or it could just be damage itself or it could be more like the Vader thing where if you're performing a second attack on the same target, which is already more restrictions than Vader in some ways, you get an additional damage or two on the top. Concern again is that it feels a bit too familiar to Maul in the core set where it's like Maul is already teaching players to using damage as a resource. Oh, no, I'm not saying that at all. We're saying different things. You're saying the Maul thing. I'm saying which I do like, because that is very thematic of Anakin. I'm saying that if you're going to end this on the same target, the second attack is like, and this is also very like poetic with the design because it's Vader's Fury. The second attack has a damage or two baked into the damage pool like Vader's Fury. Oh, I see what you're saying. I would make it an expertise. Okay, elaborate on that. So instead of forcing the damage, the expertise is just adding a crit to the the pile. Which, like in that. theory, is worth more than one damage anyways, but is still also different enough from Vader. The concern with Anakin is, right, is that when Anakin rolls average to better, yeah, he's dealing an enormous amount of damage. I mean, yeah. seven damage in the first three steps is insane. As he should for two force costs. Yes, but just in the standard attack alone. Yeah, yeah, sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. You could go different ways with this. I just, I wish he was a bit more consistent or he had more options. One of the two. What if we did this? And this is going to sound crazy. What if we kept him the exact same? Okay. But I'm going to end this as one force. He is the chosen one. I don't think that's crazy, especially with the clone tax built in, right? Well, yeah. Assuming no other changes happen to the game. And the clones are taxing your force with defensive maneuver, which I think will always be a play pattern of the clones. Right. The nature of beasts with Republic is that they are very tough to play in terms of force economy. You're absolutely correct. Because... Reserving and defensive maneuvers and Jedi doing cool stuff. It adds up. I also would like Anakin to have maybe a Pierce, maybe. This game's version of Pierce. That could be cool, where he could remove... He could do something similar to what Dooku does, but it's free. Change one of your opponent's strikes to a fail. You're saying defensively? Yes. I meant to say when you're attacking an opponent. That's what I meant, yeah. Yeah. And you that can, can easily be slotted in in this, I'm going to end this part, because it's like, you think about it, Anakin's barreling down on you, he's already attacked you one time, he's attacking you a second time. Yeah. Your defenses are worse, right? And the second yeah. hit. So I'm, we're proposing either add some baked in damage to the attack, give him a way to chase, or maybe just give him a pierce on that, right? On the second one, or reduce the force. The irony is all these conversations are built around, I'm going to end this not being good enough. Yes. It needs a slight bump in some direction. And I think my personal gut would be the little bit of damage baked into the next damage pool or the pierce. And the only reason I say that over your idea of the expertise is I think the expertise gets a little bit more complex for players. And once again, this is a core set model. I don't want to add too many moving parts to, okay, is this my second attack? Then my expertise is better. You know what I mean? That's fair. I think just the blanket pierce or damage would help him get the kill maybe. That is fascinating. A lot of options with... Anakin. It's I'm going to end this is how we, what we want to change. So we could just leave it at that. It's six of one, half a dozen of the other. Yep. In that if we add an expertise or we give him Shadow Point's version of a Pierce when compared to the, the core rule in MCP, I think the outcome is the same. But you're right. It's improving upon I'm going to end this just to make it a little bit more reliable. 100%. I also think after seeing Mace having these cool abilities through Shatterpoint, I think AMG not giving Anakin a Shatterpoint ability is also a missed opportunity. That's Hero of the Republic, where it's like, if you're activating Anakin with Shatterpoint, he gets to, he gets a tactics ability he wouldn't get otherwise, right? Where it's like, he gets to dash and get a focus or something. Or just refresh to force so that he can use, I'm going to end this again. Yeah, exactly. Just, yeah. 
That is interesting too. That's very interesting. Uh, give yeah, him a like tactic that. ability or give him a shatter point tactic ability. Excuse me. Yeah, there's a lot of options. Obviously, we're not talking about his tree at all because his trees are great. Well, I think what could be a really cool design with Anakin too is that similar to Mace's, yeah. where depending on Mace's stances, this could be more incumbent upon the design of game state or wounds even, right? Like if your opponent has dealt more wounds to you than you've dealt to them, it does this. If you have dealt more wounds, more wounds to your opponent, then maybe it's not as attacky and it's more positioning based, right? I have a chosen one ability that just came to me based off Say of it. that thing you just sparked. What if Anakin had an innate ability that said chosen one or whatever, and literally all it said was force cost of this character is not increased by the number of wounds they have. Mm. So force jump, and I'm going to end this, always costs one and two respectively, and he is the chosen one, and that leads into the theme of Anakin. When he's beat up, when he's deep in the battle, he's still giving it 100%. I dig that. That might help him. I'm not saying that him getting wounded is an issue right now. I'm just saying it definitely makes him more efficient the whole game. Jesse, I really like this idea of playing on the force concept because Anakin has like the highest metachlorian count and he's the chosen one and yeah. excess force, etc. What if you did it to where maybe he had an ability that says for every injured or wound token this character has, you gain one additional force to spend when your order deck refreshes. I thought about that or even like discounting the cost of his force. I'm like, now we're getting crazy. Yeah, <laughs> that could be wild. What if it's only when he has his two wounds? So it's more fringe, like when he's down to the wire, you know? Mm. If this character has two or more injured tokens. Injured tokens, yeah. This character's first active or innate ability is free, costs zero force. So he can either do a free force jump or a free I'm going to end this. So that's in line with my concept of his force has never increased. Yeah. But that's, that's the a same. little bit Again. more interesting. A little bit more interesting. Yeah. The same phrase that we just used. Six of one, half a dozen of the other. Yeah, because I don't want to like take Maul's ability from him, even though Anakin kind of has that built in too, where it's like the more beat up Anakin is, the more like Vader he becomes and the harder he hits and stuff. And I don't want to take that from Maul, you know? So it's like, we got to lean on the more force side or the Galactic Republic side. But I just think at the end of the day, I'm going to end this needs to be more consistent. And all these other things are kind of like wishlisting. And I think would totally work. I think Anakin having a tactic ability, a Shatterpoint ability, and or ability after he's wounded, other things happen. Would all just be great quality of life for him. I think that's fair. Well, Aman, that's where we're going to stop it today because we are halfway through the list. This is part one. And I knew Anakin was going to bring some great discussion at the end of this. So I'm happy we are going to stop with him today. I didn't think we were going to break this into two parts, but we've had some great conversation and it's important to keep that going without sacrificing quality. So I look forward to part two. Absolutely. We got some interesting characters coming up, but I think we did hit some big ones today. I mean, just shout out Vader and Anakin, the chosen one. They need to be discussed and I'm happy we discussed them. But that's going to be it for today's episode. Of course, you can find Hello There on Patreon and become a patron there by going to patreon.com slash hello there cast. Of course, that gets you instant access to our discord, access to things like our bonus feeds and our community leagues and many more things. You can also find us on X, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch, all at HelloTheirCast. You can always email us at HelloTheirCast at gmail.com. And if you can't support us via the Patreon, you can definitely support us by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify when you can. Maybe when you're listening right now, you can just pop over and do that. We have reached our goal on Spotify, but now we have a goal to reach over 100 five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to Lofiel for our show's music. Of course, you can find me, Amon, on several spaces online. You can find me, Jesse, on X, Instagram, Longshanks, Discord, all the same place. That's J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. And check out my show, Fury's Finest, about everything Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. Amon, where can everyone find you? You can find me on most places at Amon. I am on X at A Man Who Games. And in most other discords, you can find me as Amon. There's only one I need no errata. I am perfect. <laughs> you can also find me as the founder and host of Path of Glory, the Warhammer Underworlds podcast that focuses on competitive gaming, player development, and community growth. Got some big things in the works for Path of Glory. So if you're interested in Underworlds, check us out. I will also be going to the Warhammer World Championships very soon. You can follow along at warhammercommunity.com to check on my progress. And then, of course, as an American, I am on Team USA. So there is individual accolades as well as 
country accolades as well. So if you're interested in supporting me and the country or rooting against me and supporting your your actual home country, you can do that as well. But come check us out. All right. Very good. Well, stay tuned with us for next time as we return to this list. And then we've got also got some really fun lore topics coming up in the future. Please be subbed and give those a listen. But until next time, may the force be with you. Uncivilized.